Uh, having said all that, without any further ado, we're going to just jump right in this morning. We're going to be in Genesis uh, to start out, chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 27 through 28. And <coughs> that's two verses about creation. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And from this moment, we see God's design for man. He shows it to us. He creates the earth. And as we'll see in a few moments, he literally builds Adam out of that earth and breathes life, in, life into him. And what we're going to see is what does he do? He places him in a family unit. He places him in a family unit. And he blesses him by putting the earth at his disposal. See, God's original intention wasn't that his creation just survive. It was that his creation thrive. And a part of that thrival, like that word I created, a part of that thrival is the family unit. It's the family unit. And he wanted that to take place in a unified family unit. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Fit for him. The literal Hebrew here talks about a corresponding partner. And I think that's a much more beautiful way to look at it. A corresponding partner. We see the word helper and some of us, right? Just a little bit. It makes us a little uncomfortable. Some of you strong ladies out there are like, I'm not a helper. I'm a He's helping me, right? Like, like, have you been in my house? I do everything, right? Quiet down, Jericho, stop it, Uh, right? But God created a corresponding partner to be everything for Adam that Adam himself was not. And it said, now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper, a corresponding partner fit for him. So the Lord God caused him to fall into a deep sleep, or specifically it says caused the deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and he closed up that place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now, what we have here, whether we realize it or not, is the first account of marriage. It's the first account of marriage. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's an arranged marriage, obviously. You know, one man, one woman, God set it up. But this is the first account we have of marriage. Marriage being the union of two very distinct, unique, and yet purposefully designed individuals who function best together. That's what marriage is all about. And it's a beautiful picture um, painted by God that shows the purpose of the existence of the family of God. If you remember, marriage represents what? It's supposed to represent the relationship between Christ and the church. It is supposed to, by design, show what the family of God is all about. It is a relationship that we are each and every one of us designed to be a part of. And it is where we function best in this family of God, surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
God intends for husband and wife to exist in unity. In unity, unified as one. The two become what? One flesh. And this is a both spiritual and functional unity. God expects us to to support one another and build one another up and strengthen one another. And this is the design of the family of God. You strengthen me. I strengthen you. You correspond to me in ways that I am not well. Phil is fantastic, right? You don't want me up here leading worship. You don't. I can sing. I'm not saying I can't sing. I, I, I can sing. I can sing a song. Everybody can sing. It's Buddy the Elf. I'm on a stage and I'm singing, right? We're singing. Like we can all sing, but I can't lead music. You don't want me leading music. Like I'm not starting anybody. I'm not telling them what notes to play. I'm not, I don't have that brain. That doesn't happen. If everybody else is doing their job, I can sing along with them. But I am not a leader of music. Phil is a leader of music. Phil could paint a beautiful musical picture for you and not sing a single word, right? That is a gift I don't have. But yet we correspond that way with each other. Now, he could do my job. I'm not going he, to. You ever notice that after I preach, Phil gets up here and like in the middle of worship, he's like, let me drop this quick little sermon on everybody. That's like way better than what Paul's just said. And it's going to be super quick and you're blessed. And I'm sitting out there like, crap, I should have said that. Why didn't, why didn't I say that? I mean, Lord, were you holding out on me? What happened, right? So Phil could do my job, but I can't do Phil's job. And that's why we are here together, because we correspond so well with one another. That is what the family of God is intended to be. We are intended to exist in unity, both spiritually and functionally, so that we can further the kingdom of God. And when this relationship exists as it should, society prospers because it is the design of God. It is the design of God. When the church is at turmoil, guess what? Our world is at turmoil. Look, study history. Look what's happening as marriages are starting to fall apart, as the divorce rate is approaching 100%. I say that because it's more than 50, right? But (laughs) as it's getting higher, it seems like all the time, our world seems like it's falling into more and more turmoil. That's not an accident, that's not a coincidence as we destroy this family unit, as we are not in unity, we are causing the opposite, disunity. And that is what is taking place. So why is it that when this relationship exists as it should, everything seems right? It's because God created us at our core to be in his image. We are created at our core to be in his image. And you know what God desires? Relationship. It's why he created us. God, by definition, doesn't need us. Didn't need creation. He was God. But he did so for that relationship piece. He desired us. And just like he desires a relationship with us, we desire relationships with others. We all know what it feels like to be lonely, right? We all know what it feels like. Some of us know what it feels like to be lonely in a room full of other people. Some of us, unfortunately, know what it feels like to be lonely in our own homes. We're not perfect. And, and at times, we're the cause of this issue. But what is it that we desire? Are we like, man, I'm so lonely. This is great. 
Look, I'm so lonely. I just wish I had somebody. I just wish my husband would stop being an idiot and talk to me. I just wish my wife would tell me how she's feeling. And your wife's in the background saying, I've been talking to you for 10 minutes, dummy. Right? We know what it's like to desire relationship. We were built to want to be a part of a community. And just like Eve was created to be what Adam was not, we are each created to be what each other is not. And we need each other. And we were designed to be together. And we talked last week about the diversity, right? The diversity in the family of God and how we are a global religion and how all over our world there are pockets of Christianity who have unique experiences that are good and holy and Christ-like but not as our own just because they live in different cultures and in different places. And it's so important to, to see our need for them and their need for us and to know that we need this on a global scale, but we also need this on a communal scale. We need this in community. And the uniqueness of our unity is that it transcends all other factors. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter how well they raised you or how unwell they raised you. What connects us is Christ. We find support for our weaknesses in the strength of others. We find support for our weaknesses in the strength of others. In the scripture we just read, Genesis 2.24, we see really the pinnacle of this story. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, what did God do? He created these men and these women, man and woman to start, right? But he created them and he created this world for them and he gave them the power to subdue it and to live in harmony with it and he gave them each for each other and he blessed them and that blessing said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply and that's exactly what they did and we see this cycle all throughout time where people come together they're fruitful, they multiply, they come together as one flesh, but they disperse, right? There's this natural dispersion. It's why we have this global religion, because people disperse, they separate. But as we separate, what is it that we desire in our uniqueness and in our own thoughts? We desire to come back into what? Community. It's why we love the story of the prodigal son, because we can all see ourselves in it. We can all see ourselves of how we've fall, fallen away from God, fallen away from family, fallen away from friends, been separated. But what a joyous occasion it would be to leave that lonely place and to come back into the family that God intended us to be in and to be a part of this family of God. <coughs> Naturally, humans as creation will come together. They will come together. They will unify it's why mob mentality exists. We will unify. The question becomes, what are we going to unify around? What are we going to unify around? And the issue is that so often it's the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing. In Genesis 3, this beautiful creation that God creates, this wonderful world that he has given to this man and this woman 
and this blessing that he has bestowed upon them comes crashing down. Because the serpent, crafty in his wiles, tempts Eve to take the place of God. That's really what he was telling her to do. Eat this fruit. It will make you like God. It will put you in his place. And his message to her is that she should decide for herself what will make her prosper. That's her choice. That's not God's choice. That's her choice. And the only reason God doesn't want you to have this is because you'll be in his place and he doesn't want you to take his place. She must follow and create her own path. And Adam, unified with his wife, makes the same choice. I know we always get a kick out of blaming the lady, right? Well, everything would have been fine if the woman hadn't screwed things up, right? But make no mistake about it, at any point he could have said, no, not me. Sorry, lady, I guess God's going to have to take a rib out of this side. <laughs> You're going to be gone, right? But what did he do? He unified. He unified over the wrong thing, over his desire to be like God, to be his own God. He followed this natural inclination to be in unity, but also to be sinful, to be in control. We have a responsibility to lead others into life and not death. We have a responsibility to lead others into life and not into death as members of the family of God. So what are we leading others to unify around? What are we leading others to unify around? Because this, in Genesis 3, starts this vicious cycle in Scripture that we see over and over where humanity constantly seeks to unify on its own terms outside of the will of God. And any time, hear me, any time we insist on eating from the tree, we are reminded why we never had that power in the first place. Because when we are living outside of the design of God, we are destined for destruction. We are destined for destruction. Next week, we discuss the importance of unifying as one body over the right thing, over the right thing, which is the will of God. And I hope you won't miss it. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day and I thank you for the encouragement that you have given us in Scripture. God, I am thankful that you have created us to love others and to desire relationship and to not have to face this world alone because, God, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it on my own. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I know I couldn't do it on my own. So I'm so thankful that I have you to not only lead and guide and direct my steps, but that I have the family of God, that I have my fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage me, to walk alongside me, to disciple me, to correct me when I need to be corrected. God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for where you have placed me in this world. Thank you for this community that I work in and that so many of us live in. God, we are blessed. We are blessed to be where we are, when we are, and we are blessed to be here for the reason that we are here, and that is to serve you and you alone. God, help us to see the importance of community, to see the importance of one another. 
to know that it is available to us and that there is a reason that we desire it because you have designed us to be that way. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to love you with everything that we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stand with me now. Let's worship. If you would like to come pray with me, I would love to pray with you about anything that you may need prayer for. If you would like to make a decision today to say, I have not committed my life to Christ. I am not a Christian, but I would love to be one. Come talk to me about that decision today. If church membership is something you're interested in, talk to me after service. I'd be happy to discuss that with you and what those next steps look like. Otherwise, now is a time to stand, to worship, to reflect, to pray. This time is yours. It's between you and God.